So this month we're talking about journey all month. And one thing we know about journey is that they lead in different directions, sometimes in unexpected ones. Last week we were scheduled to do a pulpit swap. I was supposed to go preach in Manhattan, Kansas, and John Lou Johnston, who's the minister there, was supposed to come preach here. Um, as it turns out, the weather was not cooperative. It is March in the Great Plains, which apparently means that it snows all the time. <laughs> what this means in practical terms is that the schedule for the services this month in your newsletter is dramatically incorrect. Um, the blurbs posted are not entirely accurate. We're, we're flipping things around, and, um, and that's the way it is some months. Um, we'll eventually do a pulpit exchange with Manhattan, Kansas, but for now, this is the sermon that was supposed to be the last Sunday of March, and that is a sermon on pilgrimage. Pilgrimages are the journeys we take, not always by choice, that have a spiritual component to them. They could be the traditional pilgrimages to holy sites, the observant going on Hajj to Mecca, a walk across Spain to the Cathedral of Santiago de Compostela, or they can be something more secular, Paul Simon singing, for reasons I cannot explain, there's some part of me that wants to go to Graceland, <laughs> Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, as for myself, I'm going on a kind of pilgrimage next week. Uh, for the first time in my life, I'm going to Florida to the Baltimore Orioles spring training. <laughs> spring training may not seem like a religious pilgrimage, but at the start of a new baseball season, everything is hope. <laughs> Every team, even the Orioles, <laughs> are defined by possibility. When I planned this spring sermon, I, I put this topic of pilgrimage after the trip to spring training, thinking that that would be a great place to pick up anecdotes and thoughts about travels and baseball, and I'd write a sermon about it. Um, but the weather has not cooperated, so we're going to go in a different direction. So maybe we could drop the screen now. There we go. <laughs> Today's reading is a manual uh, for Conserving Paths by Paulo Coelho. Each statement in the manual will be followed by Oscar's reflection. The path begins at a crossroads. There you can stop and think what direction you want to take. But don't spend too much time thinking or you'll never leave the spot. Ask yourself the classic Carlos Pineda question, which of these paths has heart? So there are many kinds of paths. We often talk about pilgrimage as a kind of physical journey, going from one place to another. But pilgrimages, almost by definition, are always symbolic. The journey outward is a sign of inward searching. This goes way, way back to the 1600s in Pilgrim's Progress, which is all allegory of a physical journey that has spiritual components. So pilgrimages can be in time, in our own homes, or out in the world. What matters is committing to the path and starting down it without knowing entirely where you'll end up. Two years ago this month, 
we started a, a pilgrimage of a sort. Certainly, we started a journey. In March of 2017, uh, I interviewed here in Lincoln for the first time. And that same month, Stacy and I learned we were having a baby. It was a condensed timeline for us. Normally, the search process takes six months. But over the course of just a few weeks, we had to ask ourselves, which of these paths has heart? It was not a complicated question for us to answer. And since then, Stacy and I have been on two journeys, the first with Ailish, watching as she discovers the world, and the second with this congregation as we start to figure out what we are doing together. The path doesn't last forever. It's a blessing to travel the path for some time, but one day it will come to an end, so be prepared to take leave of it at any moment. Journeys together do not last forever. This is a good place to, take, to start. At some point, Ailish is going to leave our house. That will be a long time from now. At some point, ministers leave the congregations they are called to. At some point, a long time from now. <laughs> this is a natural part of life and a good one. Stories have a beginning, a middle, and an end. And beginning knowing that there's an end out there somewhere is the essence of the human condition. This also means that we must treasure the time that we have, each step of the journey that we have. It's easy to look back and notice all the things that have changed, and it's much harder to catch that change as it happens. Last Thursday, I was playing with Ailish and noticed that sometime in the 48 hours previously, she had gone from crawling and sometimes walking to walking and sometimes crawling. And the time when my daughter was mostly crawling to get around ended, not with any grand announcement, but with a natural turnover from one way of being to another. Honor your path. It was your choice, your decision. And just as you respect the ground you step on, that ground will respect your feet. Always do what's best to conserve and keep your path, and it will do the same for you. This is a path that we all choose to be on. The Unitarian Universalist tradition is democratic to a fault sometimes. But the beauty of it is that nothing compels any of us to be on this journey together. We are here, as Barbara Peskin writes, because we choose to be in this company, because we have things to say to each other, things not yet said, but in each other's presence still trembling behind our heart's doors, doors closed but unlocked. My seminary that I ta talked a lot about last week taught one thing above all else, and although it was not a Unitarian seminary, it was a Unitarian lesson. The call of congregational ministry is to love the people, not love in inappropriate, unprofessional ways, not 
love that overlooks places where we fall short, but love, honest affection, above and before all. But this isn't just a lesson of ministry. In a congregation gathering together every week, I want this for every person in this room. Be well equipped. Carry a small rake, a spade, a penknife. Understand that penknives are no use for dry leaves and rakes are useless for herbs that are deep rooted. Know what tool to use at each moment and take care of your tools because they're your best allies. So two years ago, uh, we were starting to put together a baby registry and I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. The tools of parenting are opaque. They don't tell you about them until you're in it. They're never really explained. It's never really understood why you need all of them. Why, for instance, was it so important for diaper bags to be waterproof from the inside out? <laughs> this is not a question I ask myself anymore. <laughs> so we ended up with a collection of tools, some of which were the right ones. I now know every nook of our diaper bag by feel rather than sight, and some of which were the wrong ones, a steam bottle warmer for the nursery, while indulgent needs to be cleaned much more often than at least these two new parents had time for. So what are the tools of congregational life? Board meetings, congregational votes, the program council, committees, time together in worship. Finding out which tool is best for which task is the work of church governance. And while it is often not recognized as spiritual growth, it is what allows a congregation to function, what allows us to be on a journey together. goes forward and backward. At times you have to go back because something was lost or a message to be delivered was forgotten in your pocket. A well-tended path enables you to go back without any great problems. One of the most important tools of congregational life is institutional memory. So here's a recent anecdote from a board meeting last month. We've been talking a lot about growth about how, whether and how we want to pursue it collectively. And a board member asked a really important question. Do we even know if this is a congregation that wants to grow? And we all kind of sat there stumped for a moment until several weeks later, actually about four days ago, I was going through survey data from 2016 as it turns out, in a survey that went out as part of the search process, the whole congregation was asked this question and 260 of you responded. Six people responded that they would prefer to maintain the current size of this congregation. 88 responded that they did not have a preference and 156, 159, responded that they would like to see this church grow. 
It's easy to get caught up in the week-to-week and month-to-month work of the congregation, but we're linked to the congregation that was here in 2016. And the 2024 Unitarian Church of Lincoln is going to be trying to remember what we did in 2019. How do we use our tools to make sure that we can go both forward and backward on the journey? Take care of the path before you take care of what's around you. Attention and concentration are fundamental. Don't be distracted by the dry leaves at the edge. Use your energy to tend and conserve the ground that accepts your steps. So each of us has to look to our own path first. There have been times in the last year and there will be times in the year to come where I've had to step out of the work of this congregation to tend to my own path. There are times where I've encouraged other people in this congregation to take care of themselves first. For me, that's to make sure that Ailish is well taken care of, to go to a doctor's appointment. It's because it's important to step away for a bit and focus wholly on our own well-being. When I am on pilgrimage to see the Orioles in spring training, I will not be checking my email. So what is the path that you tend to? Above and before all others. Chances are it intersects with this community, the path that this community is on, but it's not the same path. How do you make time to tend to the journey that you're on? Be patient. Sometimes the same tasks have to be repeated, like tearing up weeds or closing holes that appear after unexpected rain. Don't let that annoy you. It's part of the journey. Even though you're tired, even though certain tasks are repeated so often, be patient. I have changed so many diapers. (laughs) Next. People can tell you what the weather is like elsewhere. Listen to advice, but make your own decisions. You're responsible for the path entrusted to you. So there are a few parents in this room. Have any of you, in all of your experience parenting, ever gotten unsolicited advice about how you're raising your children? Like, perhaps from family members. People you love and care about, maybe even people that raised you, and, you know, you turned out pretty well. We are each responsible for the path that we are on. And that doesn't mean that we won't make mistakes. I'm pretty sure that at least some of the parenting advice I have cheerfully ignored might have steered me away from a few, shall we say, Uh, unplanned growth opportunities. (laughs) But these are our lessons to learn individually for ourselves. 
nature follows its own rules. You have to be prepared for sudden changes in the fall, for lots of slippery ice in winter, <laughs> the temptations of flowers in spring, how I wish, thirst and showers in the summer. Make the most of each of these seasons and don't complain about their characteristics. So with all appropriate love <laughs> to Coelho, this is one I simply have to take metaphorically. I cannot, in March, with snow on the ground, preach to make the most of these seasons and don't complain about their characteristics. <laughs> it's a metaphor. <laughs> but we do, we do have seasons of life. Seasons, a season now, where Eilish is highly mobile, but unable to understand or respond to no when she takes off sprinting towards the stairs. That would be easy enough to complain about. But it's also the season of pure, unadulterated discovery where we go chasing after her to the stairs to find that she's experimenting with gravity dropping a smartphone that she's pilfered down the stairs <laughs> to see what kind of noise it'll make. And we have seasons in the life of a church. Some are easier than others. And some, I think the one that we've been on in the last year and a half, are both exhausting and exhilarating. Something new is happening in this congregation, and it takes a lot of work to, to bring into being, to birth whatever that is. And it's easy to complain about the work. It's easy to, to feel overwhelmed by the season. But Quello's words are a reminder to embrace the exhilaration of this time in the life of this place. Make your path a mirror of yourself. By no means let yourself be influenced by the way others care for their paths. You have your own soul to listen to and the birds to whisper translations of what your soul is saying. So we spend a lot of time wondering how other churches do things. And there's value in that, particularly in some of the technical aspects of running a congregation. It's good to see how other congregations structure their personnel policies, for instance. But ultimately, this, this path that we're on together is the path of the Unitarian Church of Lincoln. Where it ends up in 2025 isn't going to be at the Unitarian Church of Richmond, Virginia, or Des Moines, Iowa, or Long Island, or Baltimore. It will be the Unitarian Church of Lincoln, informed by where we've been and pointed to where we're going. Love your path. Without this, nothing makes any sense. In the end, the last lesson is the first lesson. Let us love each other and love the journey. Everything else, everything else, depends on that single piece and it is the hardest to do. There's a story that at the end of his life, the Apostle John was said to have distilled 
a lifetime of teaching into one sentence, beloveds love one another. If we can do that, we can go down any path together knowing that we are not alone. The call of congregational life is love. The call of parenting is love. The call, full stop, is love. May it be, and amen.